0: Did you know that nearly nine out of ten home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com/slash buyer agent toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential.
1: And so as you think about where we're going, what our, our vision isn't changing, how we're getting there has changed a few times. And, and that's why you see some of the some of the change. And in, in a company this size, doesn't usually pivot and change as fast as we do. We're constantly reinventing and reiterating. And, and that comes straight from Gary Keller, who's a, an extremely learning-based individual. And um, I think that I think the speed with which we make change is also why uh, we've we've tended to to do what we've done in this industry.
0: Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Managing Editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry just got off the phone with the new president of Keller Williams Realty International, Mark King, and had a really interesting discussion. He addressed the elephant in the room, which is the constant um, change of Keller Williams' leadership every five years or so. And the change from education to technology and what Keller Williams is really focusing in on now. So he talks a little bit about that. They, of course, go into some of the the technology that they have, but they explain why technology is um, important, which we all know. But what's different is that Everyone thinks their technology is going to be a differentiator, and, and Mark has a little bit of a different spin on that that I think is really interesting. So uh, sit back and enjoy the podcast, and thanks for listening to Real Trending. This is Tracy Velt, Managing Editor for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Mark King, President of Keller Williams Realty International. His previous role was as Director of Growth for KWRI. Mark is no stranger to the real estate industry. He was a top-producing sales associate when he joined a Missouri-based Keller Williams franchise as a team leader in 2003. He became a top 100 agent in 2008 and led KW Maps Leadership Coaches in 2013, eventually earning a place in the Keller Williams Team Leader Hall of Fame in 2017. Stepping into the role of president a month ago, Mark plans to work tirelessly to grow market share for stakeholders and lead thriving regional teams. So welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining Real Trending. Well, I'm so
1: excited to be here. I'm so humbled to be here. And, and that's that was such a great introduction, Tracy. That I think <laughs> you forgot the part of all the failures and mistakes along the way, but we can leave that out for today.
0: Oh, yeah. We can talk about that later. <laughs> So I just want to start by kind of having you tell our audience a little bit about you and your past position as director of growth. What were some of the achievements you had in that position that played a role in what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, I I love that question. And and if we start before that, you know, running a brokerage, starting out as an agent, working my way into a region, you know, kind of for 20 years, right? Um, Gary hired uh, myself and and my partner, Matt Green, to be directors of growth at the end of, you know, 2019. And imagine stepping into the largest real estate company in the world as the director of growth, and then the pandemic hits. Yeah. And so uh, none of us truly expected uh, what happened to happen in, in any capacity. But at the end of the day, we we didn't just break records last year, we shattered all of our growth records in every production category age and agent count and growth. Uh, we had an amazing year. And it's it's a testament to Not only Gary Keller, who's the visionary, but it's a testament to the 167,000 partners we have across the United States and Canada. So I can give you the detailed numbers and the transaction counts and all those things, but I would sum it up by saying we had an unexpected, unbelievable growth year.
0: Okay. And were there any specific strategies that you implemented that differentiate your growth strategies from others?
1: You know, when I look at, at at what happened and how fast we were able to pivot, uh, it's this might be a very large real estate enterprise, and at the end of the day, it's a very small family. Um, and so, our communication channels, the way that we operate in general, the the belief system that we share, allows us to communicate at such a rapid level. And so, when when things like this happened, I, I remember March thirteenth uh, of twenty twenty, us jumping uh, Which, by the way, we had been using. Zoom and had been working more virtual anyway. I think what COVID did is it just accelerated a lot of the changes that we we saw coming. But I think that the speed with which we adapted and and kind of reinvented in the moment, the care calls, the the connection through our culture, all of those things led us down this path. And by the way, ironically, about 13 years ago, uh, Gary Keller wrote a book called Shift. And it's a book of tactics of what to do when the market suddenly changes and so we could go right to the manual, right? And look at the first tactic, get get real, get right. And so we were, it was, it was a sun up to sundown event and we were loving it. And it was, um, it was care calls back to technology, back to being more human-centered, focused, relationship building, all those things. But because we're such a tight-knit family, um, I think that allowed us to figure out what was going on, get real, get right, and then and immediately take action. And I think what you saw is is the companies that took immediate action, regardless of the action, they tended to come out on top rather than the companies who delayed their action.
0: So Gary Keller has always been at the forefront of trends in the real estate industry and has chosen leaders to fit his vision. That's meant, obviously, a change in leadership every few years, which generally sets the industry abuzz. So what is the vision of Keller Williams today?
1: You know, it's, it's fascinating. And, and I love this question, Tracy, because our vision has always remained the same, right? We want to be the, the real estate company of choice for agents and their customers. The tactics may be different. And so I would tell you that every leader we've had has been the right leader in the moment. And I, I feel like I'm standing on the shoulder of giants, right? I feel like every person we've had um, has been amazing at what they did in that moment of time. And so, as you think about where we're going, what our our vision isn't changing, how we're getting there has changed a few times, and and that's why you see some of the some of the change. And, and a company this size doesn't usually pivot and change as fast as we do. We're constantly reinventing and reiterating, and, and that comes straight from Gary Keller, who's a, an extremely learning based individual. And um, I think that, I think the speed with which we make change is also why uh, we've, we've tended to, to do what we've done in this industry. I think we're constantly learning. We're constantly getting feedback. We're constantly labbing different approaches with our, our agents in the field. And that's why, that's why it appears to be quick change for us. It's normal.
0: And so tell me, why are you the right leader for this time or this point of time in for Keller?
1: Well, I think in all this crazy world of disintermediation and technology companies, and in every industry is being interrupted at some level, right? I think getting back to the the core fundamentals, going back to our our fundamental belief, which is a real estate agent is the fiduciary for their clients, and 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 no iPad is going to replace that. The the relationship matters, right? And I think. Going back to this idea of having a, a top real estate agent who also ran a top brokerage, who also has you know 20 years of making mistakes, helps navigate the times that we're in. I think the other piece is being in, on the growth side of this company for so long and working under all the growth leaders before me. I think we, we're in tune with, with where we need to go and how we need to grow in what we would call uh, an industry that's changed. Right, so I think I think that would be my short answer. I would also think say that love to say that, you know, I I bleed our our mission, vision, value, belief, and perspective. I love what this company stands for, and if you boil it down and, and you look at our culture, we just believe a certain way, and that that may not be the same as others others believe. So I think that's why.
0: Okay, so every year in the Real Trends five hundred top brokerages, Keller Williams basically dominates the five year movers, both in volume and sides. So what is the overarching company strategy that you think accounts for this? Um, Do you think it's all related to business model culture or do you think there are other factors at play?
1: You know, it's a combination of all of those things, Tracy. I think our business model definitely plays a part. We're a high volume, low margin business model. If you look at the average agent count per office, for example, we're at 204 today and that takes a fundamental Fundamentally different approach to how do you run a brokerage that size and still say stay super connected with your with your core clients, which are your real estate agents, right? I think the other piece of this is, uh, you know, we've always been a brand that has stood behind our agents' brand, not in front of it. You know, you won't see Super Bowl ads for Keller Williams because the brand doesn't matter. The, the The fundamental belief that we that we share is that real estate's a local business based on an agent and their sphere of influence. And so from that, if, if you believe that, it, it, it fundamentally changes how a brokerage services that agent, right? So I think, I think that's part of it. We're so proud that we have 10.7% market share in this industry, but 35% of the top brokerages. And I think that's a, a testament to our leaders. It's a testament to the, to the men and women who work every day uh, at finding people to, to buy and sell what's likely their largest asset. Uh, but it's also, this is a leadership company at the end of the day. And I think, I think that's showing up there.
0: Okay. So what do you see as some of the limiters to your growth as a brand? Um, you know, you've been in the top five movers for, for years now, but what are some things that you think are limiting the growth?
1: That's such a fascinating question. I think when you sit in the room with the talented people that I get to sit in the room with every day, you tend to look around and say, the only limit to our growth is ourselves. It's how we think. It's whether or not we're willing to do the hard things in the moment. Uh, you know, you either become part of an industry changing or you change the industry. And I think Gary Keller has been an example of somebody, whether it's profit share or it's building teams or it's expansion or any of the things that, that Gary's brought to this industry, we tend to be on the front end of driving the change of the industry. So when you have a, a market like we have today, Tracy, with third-party disintermediators coming from, from every angle, right? I, I I often like to joke that we we used to be, first of all, an unknown entity when I started with Keller Williams. Nobody knew who we were. Then we went to be, you know, become maybe the most questioned business model in the industry, right? Everybody was questioning whether or not this, this sharing profits was a smart thing to do or building teams was a smart thing to do, or whatever the case is. And now we're, we're the most copied business model in the industry, right? And so it's, it's a testament and a compliment to, I think, what Gary's done on the front end of so many things. And for all of those, those great changes, there's been a lot of things that haven't you know, changed the industry. But at the end of the day, we are definitely walking through a, a different time today.
0: Yeah, I remember when you guys first came on the scene, and the whole team—it just set everyone ablaze with the controversy over the team concept versus the individual agent. And and um, it's amazing to look back now and think, why was that such a a crazy idea? You know.
1: Well, you could go back to the this idea of capping what you charge real estate agents right? That was super controversial. And, and there's no way a broker will ever make money. And, and for the times I, you know, I operated a Keller Williams franchise in seven different markets. And in every one of those markets, the the competitors will, would say that'll never work here. And, and, it, and it does. And so this idea of, of everything that we do, if you drive it back to this one solid point, and that is keep the agent as the fiduciary at the center of the transaction, then every decision you make from there tends to only help you. So, uh, so yeah. Whether it's a cap that we charge, which seems to be the common the common compensation structure for an agent today, whether it be sharing your profits now is being copied by by many competitors, whether it be building teams, you know, all the things that we're working on today, I, I promise will will look a little controversial in the moment and be copied later. So it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, and that that kind of goes into my next question about gross margins. I mean, they've been dropping for years. Uh, according to our data, the real trends data, they were sixteen point four percent in two thousand fifteen, um, and they're an estimated thirteen point five percent in twenty twenty. Obviously, different models do better than other models, um, but brokers are still finding a way to increase their profit margins. So, what innovative ways have you seen brokers kind of overcome this hurdle or or adapt and and thrive?
1: Yeah, I think what's fascinating about this is this is our model, and this is an example of I think Keller Williams uh, is the reason you see this happening. It's it's again margining the entire industry, where you know you can charge agents less, provide more value, and the broker make more money. The math doesn't seem to make sense when you explain it that way, but if you think in terms of scale and you th- think in term thinking bigger, thinking abundantly. What you realize is if I have the right systems and models in place and the right culture in place, I can grow an office to a thousand agents, maintain amazing relationships with all of them because of the small groups that we build. And, and what that does over over time is put pressure on everyone to look up and say, can we, can we do more with less and also become more profitable? My, my partner, Matt and I last year went through 200 of our offices individually and we did a a remargining exercise. And we looked at the local market and the trends, the competition, um, you know, we looked at lost agent productivity, we looked at, at people who had left. We did a deep dive uh, with those 200 offices, and what we found in a lot of a lot of cases is that we were running the same economic model that we were 20 years ago. Well, the market's changed dramatically since then. So the entire industry's remargining. And uh, for the for for brokerages of today, they're going to have to look up and say, how do I constantly put pressure to drive the cost down for the agent while driving my profit up?
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, core services and that play a huge part in in driving that as well. So I do want to talk a little bit about your technology, um, because, you know, we've seen Keller Williams kind of morph from education to technology. You said their ultimate kind of, um, you know, uh, goal or whatever has, has remained the same, but, you know, we've seen it morph through. And so I want to know, what are you working on in the next year or so? Where are you seeing the growth and, and what would you define Keller Williams as now?
1: Yeah, this is, this is such a great, but you're asking for all of our trade secrets. I love it. This is great. Uh, No, we have no secrets. And and ironically, that's one of the things that I think people love about our our company is we're an open book company. We share our financials. We make decisions together. We lab, you know, different things. But I I would say you're seeing a, a complete reinvention as Gary's done many times with, with what we do to drive towards our mission. And, and that reinvention involves. Uh, a holding company now, KWX, and some amazing talented people who we're bringing in to to build this holding company. Which, at the end of the day, it's going to give us incredible options down the road. But it's 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 a foundation building exercise, to prepare for the future. So when you talk about you know technology specifically, uh, you have to look at what what are the what are the core fundamental things that are going to differentiate you with all the other technologies everywhere and everyone's got to spend on their technology at the end of the day if you own and control the data as a real estate agent if real estate agents are are helping you to build it and you own and control the, the platform i think you will see a significant different differentiation in in that technology so I, I i would argue that you know our partners at, at facebook and google and other places Would all would all say that it's not so much the technology that differentiates; it's how you use it, and I think that's what makes us different, sets us apart.
0: Okay. And you had mentioned um, that you have failed in the past, and you've learned some lessons through that failure. So I'm going to throw that one at you. What um, What are some of your your biggest failures and the lessons learned through the through failing?
1: Yeah, I think number one, if I could go back 20 years, I would uh, I'd listen more. I would talk less. Um, I would learn from those who who kind of went ahead of me. I uh, wouldn't intend to, to to reinvent the wheel all the time, right? Uh, my, my favorite story is I once opened a Keller Williams franchise in someone else's territory. That's uh, apparently frowned upon. But I, everything that you do in, in this company, uh, you know, with growth in mind, uh, you, you hope to make the right decisions. You hope to follow our belief system. And I had a an agent friend at Century Twenty One who was who was asked to leave her brokerage in, in a different state. And I went to the state and set up a brokerage and did all those things, thinking I was helping, and uh, and I wasn't necessarily helping at the time. But I, you know, that's a small example of every single role. If you're not making mistakes, you're not moving fast enough. And uh, I think that's part of part of our culture is to embrace that way of thinking. You know how how do you teach people how to think so that we can all win together? And that's that's what
0: we do. And now, here's a brief word on HousingWire's Housing News Podcast. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing
1: News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more.
0: Um, and I know our, our audience would love to get some tips and strategies for running a better business, you know, recruiting, retention, office space, core services. What are some words of wisdom that you can share either offering advice or pointing to possible trends in the industry?
1: Yeah, make more mistakes. That's number one, uh, move faster. Uh, no, I, I think in that that is true. But I think if you look at what's happening in in the landscape today. What you realize is the way we operated 30 years ago isn't going to fit as a brokerage model tomorrow. So how do you re-margin? How do you think about the the future of the real estate brokerage? You know, I I look around at the landscape right now and there's a ton of different models as you know, in, in the brokerage world. And there's some core fundamental things we learned through COVID, we're learning now that we're obviously going to head more into a virtual environment but the need for that physical interaction has not gone away. And we're hearing it from everyone that they can't wait to get back together. You know, the, the there have been competitors who have built all virtual models and I drive by two of their offices on the way to my office, right? What you find is at the end of the day, top agents still need a place to go and to, to collaborate and to do their work, to meet clients, to do those sorts of things. So I think how you think of square footage per agent in the future Matters in terms of offices that you build and lease, and that's sort where of, you know the old days of the big. This is another great mistake. I once built out a 40,000 square foot office space with the big oak furniture for every single agent, um, think 1960s lawyer style, and uh, and that model just doesn't survive today, right? So, some of the some of the mistakes were because of the industry changing, and some because they were just bad ideas in the moment. But at the end of the day, the future of this industry is going to depend on. Uh, our our brokers of all brands figuring out how to help the agent and their clients at the highest level, then making their decisions based on what that data tells them.
0: Okay, I have one last question for you, and that is: um, who do you consider your greatest competition, in, and has that changed um, in the past ten years?
1: Um, it's definitely changed. I, I, this is what's fascinating, Tracy. I've always looked at our greatest competition as ourselves. Okay. And, And and I, but I, you know, I'm certainly respectful for um, some of the innovation that's happened in the industry. Uh, I I would share, you know, this quick story um, because I think it matters. I think the consumer is driving a lot of the change and that's also driving some competitor behavior and who we view as competitors, right? In the, in the, in the old days, we would say, you know, the, the easy answer would be, you know, Berkshire Hathaway or Remax or some of the great companies that have built big, you know, traditional real estate models. And you can look up today and you can see what Exp has done, some some impressive things and Compass has done some some impressive things. And I think we're all looking at third party disintermediators, whether it's Realtor.com or Zillow or whoever. Here's what's fascinating. What we're finding is consumers and or agents aren't comparing their real estate transaction to the one they had seven years ago. They're comparing their real estate transaction to the last technology interaction they had. So I, I'll share this quick story with you. Uh, my family loves Domino's pizza. And I think uh, we didn't used to. I think it's number one, their pizza has gotten better. But number two, the anxiety of ordering a pizza, wondering where it was, when it was going to be there has all been a around- by amazing technology that Domino's has launched. And I know when my pizza is being made, I know when it's being entered into the oven and when it's being packaged, delivery, and I know exactly when my pizza is gonna get there. Well, if you think about how far technologies come for something as simple as ordering a pizza or getting a ride somewhere through Uber, whatever the case is, and then you compare that to what is probably the most anxious transaction of our lives with our homes and you see, we, we've just fallen short. And as as a, as an industry, even you know the, there's a huge gap in the search experience today, and ordering a pizza. And that's what we aim to solve. And I think it's it's accuracy of data. I think it's answering the right que- question in the right moment. Um, there's a lot of things that a human fiduciary real estate agent does that a computer can't replace. And that's 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 where we're firmly planted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have any um, parting thoughts, anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important for um, the brokers listening to know?
1: You know, I think, first of all, thank you for having me. I I so appreciate it. I, I think this is a moment in time where we truly are all in this together. And I think if the faster we all realize that it doesn't matter what brand you're with, what matters is protecting the agent and the consumer, uh, I'm not sure that that anyone would argue that that a third-party website's a better experience than a highly qualified professional human being in the moment. And and the game has changed. The industry has changed. And we have to come together as an industry and, uh, and make sure that our real estate agents aren't, aren't disintermediated. That would be my thoughts.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I wish you the best of luck in your new position. And I really appreciate you joining Real Trending.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.